All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Nubis with you on the Metal Town Radio Podcast, episode 63. Uh, still kicking these fuckers along. A lot of good shit coming your way today. Um, got my new uh, Nomos Long Sleeve Foreign Threat shirt. It's fucking badass, by the way. Great band, if you haven't checked them out already. Uh, that was Deathing from their All Hail to Decay EP released this year. Provided to us by Inverse Records, uh, Blinded by Fear at the Gates cover there, so very cool. Uh, new stuff from Apacento, Flayed Alive, Shrapnel, Firewind, uh, what else we got? Mekong Delta and a Rock, rock, uh, rock Block, uh, Merciless, Old Corpse Road, new stuff from them, uh, also some Ground Meat later. Plenty of new stuff in, mixed in there as well, some older stuff, um... Some cool, pretty cool topics to get to. Um, a little bit about the craziness about the pandemic still going on, and you know we're trying to open ourselves back up to go out socially and do the normal things that we're used to. But people are still getting crazy with it, and I'll get to that after this first block of music. Um, also, got a couple of docs to talk about. Some cool shit there. One of them dealing with Michael Hutchins from NXS, like new information provided at least to me about his death and the cause maybe of that and then of course uh, i've got a review from mortal engines right later on for you as well first block of music that i got for you kicking off some classic skeletal remains morbid decimation Oh, my God. 
he suffered so many things in vain. Yeah, I learned from the get-go in the joint to get in touch with the soft, nurturing side of myself, the feminine side. Suffering is. saying that if you, you know, there's tend to be people that will follow other people to the ends of the earth or in case, you know, such and such jumped off a clip, you would probably follow. One of the problems that we have going on with the pandemic right now is the chaos that both chaos and paranoia that happens within it. Um, no one wants to see anything from like a middle ground or treat it as something that you need to prepare with caution. You know, you have people either on one side or the other. One saying that it's not a big deal. We shouldn't be worrying about it. We shouldn't be fucking wearing masks. 
Uh, then on the other side, you've got like, you know, we're so worried about it that we can't go on and live and have life as we normally would have it. But there, there is some middle ground that should be considered and with more caution. But here's the thing, and this is what I'm getting to, is as the COVID-19 thing slowly tries to get, as we slowly try to get it under control, uh, to still figure out what, how it spreads, like how we can defend against it, etc., etc. Uh, you know, here in Maryland, obviously, they they're starting to let people go back to work. You know, we we're like basically what they call phase one, and we're all you know. For me, I, me and my wife have both been uh, essential workers, so we're still working regardless, but. Now, for some of the rest of the people, you know, uh, I talked to a woman yesterday who does my hair, and she's, you know, they're going to be going back to work soon, but they are probably going to have to end up, like, instead of eight hairdressers, they're probably going to have, like, four, because they're going to still have to somewhat follow some sort of guidelines so that they're not infecting each other and that we're trying to take caution. So it'll probably be alternate days or whatever they work. But there's a story from the other day where, a Mother's Day on Sunday, where a woman is going to Red Lobster along with some other families and whatnot, and apparently there was a long wait, which, you know, if you've ever been to any kind of restaurant in general, it doesn't matter if it's a Texas Roadhouse, Outback, whatever, yeah, there's generally waiting lines, even on normal, normal times, basically. So here we have where we're trying to navigate ourselves back into society to social mingling and, you know, Mother's Day of all days, you know, people want to go out. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't understand, like, the diehard, like, thinking of going out anyway for that. But so this lady goes out there. She's having to wait three hours to even be served or whatever. And... Finally, she's just fed up. Like, she wants her money back. Now, this this is even before the restaurant's even open. So, like, she's creating havoc now by trying to get in there and get her her money back. I don't know how they were doing it. I don't know if Red Lobster was, like, taking orders before they were letting people in or how it was working. But the story, you know, the article says that, you know, it was just employees inside the restaurant at the time. The woman goes in there. She doesn't have a mask. And she's creating a, a ruckus. She wants her money back. And, of course, there's somebody behind her filming all this. And I don't think they're even related. But, anyway, you know, the, the employees are telling her, okay, we'll get your money back. But then just words are being spoken. It's getting out of hand. And all of a sudden the, the customer is, you know, swinging and hitting one of the employees. And then, like, it just it becomes a ruckus, like a big brawl. Like, I just... People... I'm sorry. We have a tendency to act like fucking animals for over the dumbest fucking things. And it's so stupid. Now, I'm sorry. In this case, the the woman and the customer isn't wrong. She's a moron. Fucking moron. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you think at all, and especially on Mother's Day, that it was going to be, like, normal or that you were going to get in within five minutes of you being there? Like, there was going to be delay. Three hours is a long time. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even waited half hour. I'm sorry. I just, maybe people were just that desperate. I have no idea. But 
it's just become so fucking stupid at this point that people are fighting over shit like that. It's just like, you know, we're supposed to be better than this. (laughs) And we're not. And it's so dumb. And I don't get it. It just makes no sense to me. Like, I don't know if it's my age or whatever. You know, I'm 50 now. But, of course, this lady looked like she was probably in her 30s or 40s. So, it's not like she was some young kid. So, I just, I, I don't get it. Like, it just makes no sense to me how there's this American entitlement with people. And it's just so dumb. Uh, yeah, I just, it's crazy to me. I, it just, people are arguing and fighting and getting crazy over the dumbest fucking things. It just makes no sense. Which brings me around to our first track on the next block here. Brand new stuff from Shrapnel. Ironically, the album's called Palace of the Insane, and this song is called Violent Now Forever. And it makes total sense for what's going on.
Hi, this is Isaac Goldsmith. This is West from Exhortation. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright. Brand new Firewind. Rising Fire there from their latest release. DJ Nubis with your Metal Tavern Radio podcast. New episode of Hordes of Chaos. Episode 63. So, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, one of the documentaries I was watching, or I've watched, uh, is a very cool one. It's called uh, In Search of the Last Action Heroes, and it's all based around all our, like, manly man movies from the 80s and uh, early 90s. So all your Arnie Schwarzeneggers and your Sylvester Stallone, Jean-Claude Van Damme films, you know, basically everything that encapsulizes you know what they did with expendables later on like taking all the big heroes action heroes and putting them together so it's basically going over like what made those films so iconic and fun and why people love them so much and how it's actually changed over the years um obviously one of the great things was even when they touched on was uh from the female perspective of ripley uh from the alien franchise and also uh, kind of funnily, a woman who kind of went under the radar for the most part, even though at the time I remember in the late 80s, early 90s, Cynthia Rothrock, uh, the martial artist, had a lot of films out there, but she didn't quite catch on like a lot of these other guys did for various reasons. Um, part of it is, I think, one, is she is a woman, but two, uh, the fact that unlike Sigourney Reaver, you know, the the type of films that were made for Cynthia weren't as strong as you'd say compared to um, Jean-Claude Van Damme or Stallone and them. So, you know, from that angle, like, she, you know, whenever, when it started kicking off really huge for all these action movies, uh, you just had, like, a lot of B and C grade uh, material that was out there. Even for a little while early on, Brandon Lee was doing stuff like Laser Mission, which was horrible. But we saw how he got better with the better script, you know, Rapid Fire, and then, of course, um, The Crow, and, and uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo, stuff like that. Um, but Cynthia never really got that kind of break in that sense, you know, in terms of, like, doing... A, I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure she's done some films with some of these other actors, like, maybe as a villain. I think, God, I want to say she was a villain in one of them, but I can't remember which. Uh, but either way... Um, that was a cool, interesting point too, because she was interviewed in this. Uh, they also had Bill Duke, who was in Predator and Commando, uh, Vernon Wells, who was in Commando, and I did not even realize at the time that I saw Commando that Wells was the same guy who played the villain in Road Warrior, uh, Mohawk dude. I did not even realize that at the time. So that's a cool thing that I just kind of realized, which I should have known for years, but just never really thought about it. But his role as Bennett in Commando was fucking amazing. Like, just some of the best shit. And apparently, Vernon Wells <laughs> talks about how he would try to steal scenes from Schwarzenegger because, you know, the, the whole one-liner stuff. So, And if you think about it, Bennett's character was really just about that. It was all about how Bennett really admired uh, Schwarzenegger's character. But then at the same time... Uh, wanted to kill him. Like, it was just like, I think, what was his name in that? Um, I forget. But, 
it was a good film, and then of course we have like uh, commentary from the directors, so like Stephen E. D'Souza who did Commando, Running Man, and Die Hard, uh, Graham Yost with Speed and Broken Arrow, Stan Bush for Bloodsport and Kickboxer. And the interesting thing about the whole Van Damme thing was when Bloodsport first got made, uh, they had a hard time finding a distributor for it because. Most of them are like, yeah, no, nah, this guy won't sell. We, you know, they were still even despite the success of like First Blood and Predator and all this stuff, they seem to be having a hard time with uh, Van Damme stuff. But once they got it, once Bloodsport did very well, then all of a sudden the same guys who were telling the director and everybody that it wasn't going, you know, they didn't really want much to do with it, were all of a sudden like, we gotta make more movies with this guy. So that's kind of funny how that works out. Uh, they won't give you a chance until you actually make the money, which is kind of sad in some ways. You got to be, I just think you have to be a risk taker a little bit when you're a director. And some some are and some aren't. Sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. Um, interesting thing, though, about the, the turn. Like, say, we're looking probably like early 90s till present day how the action heroes kind of changed because you know at one point you noticed that for guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stallone that they started branching out in other films now stuff like Jingle All the Way and uh, Don't Shoot Don't Stop or My Grandma Will Shoot or something I forget the one that Stallone was in but you know Stallone had started doing like both Schwarzenegger and Stallone started doing these films that they weren't normally known for because they were just such big action heroes. And they were trying to break out of that mold. But I think they found it kind of hard sometimes because, um, you know, either they chose the wrong roles for films to do. Like, when Stallone eventually did, like, Copland, it turned out very well, but it was a really well-made film. And it had a lot of great supporting actors in it so I think at that point it really worked for him um, but when you look at other films say uh, Lundgren who did Masters of the Universe that was just outright shit of a movie and a script so sometimes these guys when they were doing these films and when directors came to them they were just like you know these guys are good for these action films but we can't use them in anything else then what happens is we start getting to stuff like Speed or Broken Arrow where, you know, you get like the John Travolta's or uh, Keanu Reeves um, are doing these films. And, they, you know, you no longer need the one main guy to take on the world. You just have to have someone who can do action scenes. And that was kind of interesting because uh, they discussed how, like, over time that's all changed and that... When you went to go make a movie, if you wanted to use a low budget, you didn't have to hire a Stallone who would take up a lot of that uh, capital. Um, you could just go with a, basically uh, a nobody, or you know, because you know when Keanu started doing action films back then, you know, just like Speed, and then of course The Matrix, Point Break, you didn't have to blow a lot of money because he wasn't known for being like the Rambo or you know uh, Dutch from Predator and stuff like that. So it was much easier for some of these companies to make movies with or action movies to keep up with these guys because they didn't have to spend so much money on one person. And we kind of saw that 
as time went on, because even with like uh, female actresses, you know, they, they they just got to a point where they were charging so much that people were like, well, I'm not going to spend that much on you, even though I want you in this movie. I'm not going to pay that much for you. And so they went with someone else, ultimately, for those roles. Uh, Bruce Willis, obviously, is in that. You know, Chuck Norris, they talked about a lot of that stuff that he did. Um, it's just, it's really great um, doc to check out. It's like two hours long or so. And it's really in-depth, and it's a lot of fun. So if you haven't checked out, it's on Amazon Prime right now. It's called In Search of the Last Action Heroes. And it's, it's very worth it. Check it out. It's enjoyable. All right, in this next block, we're going to kick it off with a band and a song provided by Grand Sounds Promotion and Shadowed Beyond the Knowledge of Truth.
about that time to jump to our rock block. Got a few different things for you. Got some Wolf Tooth, some Classic Eagles, some Stampede, a band you should check out. Brand new stuff from Mekong Delta, and I've got a couple tracks from Angel PR and Atomic Stuff. One of those we're going to do right now. Band called OYD Nano Hopes. Check it out.
said, We are all just prisoners here of our own device. And in the master's chambers, they gathered for the feast. They stab it with their stealing eyes, but they just can't. Racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champ and flat card season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L race to the finish line in Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Dillsburg, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing. And they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics who do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find in other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you Mekong Delta closing out our rock block this week. Uh, let's see. So the next uh, doc I want to get to talk about uh, NXS, although not really rock or metal, at least not, you know, maybe they're pop rock at best. But I felt the story about Michael Hutchins was very interesting because, I mean, despite the fact that I love hard rock, classic rock, metal, and all that stuff. I do have a soft spot for uh, pop, 80s pop music and pop rock in general. So I figure it's a pretty good topic because I think it also ties in with a lot of the issues I have with media in general. And by media, I mean mainstream media, CNNs, Fox News, um, stuff like that, gossip columns, all that kind of shit. When... If you don't know, uh, NXX, NXS singer Michael Hutchins uh, committed suicide in the late 90s. And initially it was labeled as <laughs> autoerotica gone wrong. That was basically how it was labeled. And for a long time, it, apparently it's still something that people cling on to when, it, when they talk about Michael Hutchins and his death. But when you watch his doc and when the actual real reasons come out that led up to his death and, you know, a lot of the stuff dealing with his life in general, not just with the band, but with his own personality and everything else, you start to unpack and unravel what exactly happened with this guy. Uh, some of it, not his fault. Some of it, I think, in my opinion, is sort of his undoing for himself. Um, whether he can control that or not, you know, that's in, that's up for debate for anybody. But I'm going to kind of break through it a little bit. Um, one of the things we find out about Michael Hutchins is, and it's a lot like guys like Gary Newman, even myself to a degree, uh, he's an introvert. And, you know, Michael was known as being very shy, very nice, um, not a huge partier. Uh so, obviously, you know, for him, like, I know people say this even about women like Emma Watson, who are apparently introverted, that, you know, you can't be introverted if you're an actor or a singer or a star of this sort. And I don't think that's really true. I think that what happens is some introverts find ways to break out of their mold or to express themselves through their art that they create. And I think that happens with actors and singers. And I think that's why we find a lot of musicians who end up killing themselves that some of this is like once they've expressed themselves and become famous or whatever the pressures from that sometimes can have a backfire effect we see that made with Cobain <laughs> I know the running joke is about uh, 
Courtney and what her involvement with that might have been, but just in general, when you think of like Chris Cornell or uh, Bennington and all them, sometimes uh, Robin Williams, the comedian actor, uh, you know, sometimes those things when you use them to try to get your emotions out, your feelings, and you know how you you know just express yourself in those ways. Sometimes that shit can come back to backfire on you over time, and I think that happens a lot. Like, I, you know, Cobain being kind of one of, you know, Cobain, Hendrix, all of them are sort of like the outliers because they died much younger. But uh, for a lot of these other guys, you know, sometimes they're much older when this happens. And so my, Hutchins apparently was very introverted. Um, he also family-wise he was separated from his brother and the rest of the family at a young age when he left with his mom and they didn't tell anybody and so he i guess because they were like teenagers around then so he felt really guilty about that leaving his brother behind uh stuff like that um he was very a very very good singer like that's one thing that's clear about this is the different ways that he would express his singing vocally with the band if you ever heard any of the excess hits and stuff like that you can hear the diversity and versatile effect that his voice has um and then even to a point where once he got famous with the band like because he was so introverted and shy that he had to kind of like basically create create this persona and act out a different way that in order to handle that fame so that's something else that we see sometimes that's why i think we look at actors in general and we say to them well they're just up there puppeteering and acting out something rather than being themselves sometimes that's hard to say because we don't know if they're actually being sincere or real and i think that's what happens when we have even politicians or whatever they get up there and they're just puppeting something else and they're pretending and that happens a lot with celebrities of all careers, whatnot. They do the same thing. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that's what who they really are, because we find that usually underneath it's a lot different. Um, in fact, I guess he had a close relationship with uh, Bono from U2, and at one point Bono asked him what he thought the definition of rock and roll was, and Michael's response was liberation. Uh, he also dated various women models during that time. One other was another singer-artist, uh, Kylie Minogue. Minogue, I guess. Uh, she was kind of popular around those that time in the late or 80s, early 90s as well. Uh, funnily with her, though, was his pickup line. And even though back then we probably wouldn't think much of it, but because we, I have dirty mind... Uh, the way that he approached her said that, you know, when it came to singing and working on your voice, how to take care of it, he said he had magical drops for your throat. Now, uh, you know, certainly you could think lozenges or something like that, but, you know, dirty minds in us would think something else because that's basically what his pickup line was to go out to dinner with her. So eventually they became an item and they were dating for a while. Uh... Again, you know, there was now the, the issue about his death really stems from an incident that happened five years prior, which I didn't even know about. Uh, in fact, 
after the incident happened, there was something that happened with Michael that he didn't tell anybody except for his girlfriend at the time, or I can't remember who that was, but five years prior to his death, he was eating pizza, standing out in the middle of the street, uh, but it was like one of those more narrow way uh, streets, so I think they were in London or UK, somewhere there. So it wasn't like some major highway, but anyway, uh, a taxi driver had come up on him and was trying to get, you know, honking his horn and get him to move out of the way. For whatever reason, Michael didn't. This is this is where one of these incidents where your personal choices can oftentimes have uh, effects that you don't want. And it's, it's, it's not to say that what happened to him was justified in any means, but... It's just one of many choices that we make in life for ourselves when we decide we're going to do one thing versus the other. Michael didn't move. Taxi driver got out, belted him in the face, knocked him to the ground, and he hit his head on the curb, uh, making it bleed. So then they, you know, he was bleeding out of his ears and something else, uh, his nose, I think. So they rushed him to the hospital. Uh he really, he probably had a concussion easily from that, but he was, people said during his doc that the moment he woke up, he was very aggressive, angry, wanted to get out of there. He, his girlfriend recommended he stay in the hospital. He didn't want to, so they left. Uh, apparently, only that he and his lady knew at the time after this happened was that he had lost his sense of smell and t uh, taste buds, so... He hadn't told anybody that, so he could eat stuff, feel the textures and everything, but apparently the sense of smell and taste were gone. Um, I don't know if he ever re recovered any of that later on or not. It doesn't seem likely, but this is where, after his death, you know, they found, like, two masses in his brain, and this is similar to what we see with sports and wrestling, and CTE plays a factor here where concussions could have an alter effect because even the band said after the incident that Michael never acted the same. He wasn't the same shy, loving guy. He started becoming more aggressive and agitated about things uh, when they were talking about the band and writing music and whatnot. And it, it really changed his life in general. And even, I, I don't know, <laughs> I'm not saying that I have CTE, you know, but you know, he became, you know, Michael started getting into a lot of the grunge at that time, and the bandmates really weren't feeling it, and I, I think one way was for Michael to be have an outlet for that aggression, but because he was surrounded by other guys who were still into different vibe of music, that it wasn't meshing at that time, and so even though the, the band themselves still played pop music, basically, it seems that the the hit to the head really changed his thinking and dynamics of how he behaved in general. And so, like, it's possible that because he wasn't really surrounded by people that might be into the same aggressive music, and that, you know, we're not even talking about metal or anything, but the fact that there wasn't anybody around him really feeling the same thing or same vibe, maybe that kept Michael from expanding on that, trying to provide another outlet. Now, the other issue here is with CTE, when it's a serious case, and in his case, it seemed like it was pretty damn serious, even though at the time we just didn't have the information and all this to go off of, but he just didn't have another outlet for that. And 
you know, of course, it ruined relationships uh, that he had, you know, with his girlfriend then. And he eventually, like, ended up, and this is kind of like a, a, where it was an outlet for him, but it wasn't. It was, well, it was, but it became a bigger issue for him because he ended up uh, getting into a relationship with a woman named Paula Yates, who was a TV host and also married to uh, the singer, I believe, of Boomtown Rats. Now, the word is from relatives and all that, when he had started dating this woman, she had already had three kids, and, or at least, at least two, and then I think she had one with Michael later. But the thing was, like, he was different with her. Like, it, it seemed to be with the kids when they had the baby, who they named Tiger Lily. These people and their fucking baby names are crazy, but has a baby and he and his his life is kind of changing but the there's issues there now because he's now been basically a home wrecker and the ex-husband is fighting for custody for the kids which includes tiger lily at the time so like there's this battle between his his girl and the ex-husband and now there's his guilt that's fought on him because of all this other shit like he's apparently just such a nice guy that not really thinking about the after effects or the repercussions of getting involved with a married woman to begin with creates issues so um, the day of his death you know he basically is making phone calls to everyone he can think of and even to exes uh, that he dated to try to get someone to talk to him and you know at the time no one's really available could be time zone issues whatever but uh he was really struggling that morning and most of it had to do with the fact that when he went with on tour with nxs to australia the kids were supposed to come along with paula and be there while they were there and that was what he was looking forward to but when it got hung up the kids didn't make it and he was just like distraught like he was really struggling so at that point like by the time the one girl I think it was an ex that he knew uh, drove to the hotel where he was at and knocked on the door and didn't get an answer but thought that he'd fallen asleep because she had actually mentioned on the phone that he just probably needed to sleep it off and not think about it so she left and then a couple hours later is when she got the word that he'd actually hung himself so it had nothing to do with any kind of eroticism or any shit like that uh, the guy clearly had CTE and trauma to the head that and definitely changed his behavior for the years following and ultimately took his life just because he couldn't handle it all at the end uh, it's unfortunate he was a really good singer and there was certainly, like, still off there, one of the early albums, uh, The One Thing is still one of my favorite songs from NXS. Um, I enjoyed some of the later stuff in the 80s that they had, but I wasn't as big into them as I was a lot of other stuff. But Interesting story, uh, interesting doc to check out. Um, definitely, uh, if you get a chance, it's worth the watch. doesn't matter what genre of music you're into really but it's good it's good watch and it has a lot of nice uh, clips in there because michael was filming a lot of stuff back then with those old cameras and whatnot but very good stuff all right uh 
I got a track kicking off this next block from Merciless, and this is provided by Xenocorp. Here we go.
live on Metal Tavern Radio. This is Mike Alvord from Mind Wars. Turn it up and remember Alright, DJ New is back with you. Hordes of Chaos, episode 63. Just ended that last one with Alchemist Astral Haze. Very cool track from their new record. Uh, okay, so the movie review I wanted to get to. I uh, just checked it out earlier today, actually. Uh, it's a 2018 movie called Mortal Engines. And uh, I didn't have too much knowledge of it going in. Like, apparently it's all based on books. Um, Peter Jackson did it, who obviously did uh, The Lord of the Rings and uh, 2007's King Kong. I'll get to that in a minute, some of that, because uh, there's some similarities here. Um, so... Basically, the movie itself is based off of, or the concept is set in a post-apocalyptic world where entire cities have become mounted on wheels and motorized. And basically, they're like this particular one city called London is running around and basically consumes these smaller little groups of cities that can cluster together to create little towns. Almost like Barter Town from... Uh, Mad Max 3, if you ever remember that movie. It's, it's you know, they're just, you got these clusters of different little machines that these people ride around on and they have different trades. So it's like basically all these trade people coming together and then they form a little city that people can do, you know, sell merch, buy stuff, uh, trade stuff, etc. But the much larger city, in this case London, is going around consuming them not just for obviously whatever scraps of stuff they can come up with and a lot of times like in the city of London they've got what they call their own natural history museum thing there where they actually had uh, displays of like old TVs uh, cell phones like us like those don't even exist during this time period now but the, everything there is like considered old school because apparently there was like a big World War 3 or whatever and it wiped out everything and whatnot. so Everyone's kind of like on the bare minimums. We're back to basically the age of steam. So when these larger cities go around, they're eating up these smaller ones. Whatever's left out of the scraps of the machines are put into the big burner, and, that, and that's what helped drive this city around. Now, what happens is there's this guy who I thought initially was Sam Neill because he looks a lot like him, but his name is uh, Hugo Weaving. And he's like the mayor of this uh, city of London that's rolling around doing this. And then there's one guy above him. I'm not sure exactly. He might be the president or whatever. But this Hugo Weaving guy uh, who plays Thaddeus is, you know, trying to create more power than what they're used to. He's trying to go back to the old school of power like nuclear fusion, atom bomb fusion, stuff like that. So, in the midst of all this, he's basically, whenever they're taking these scraps of things, most of it's supposed to go into the museum part of it, but he's kind of like sneakily stealing it away to do this secret uh, project that he's got going on at the very top of this fucking machine that no one else is allowed in except the ones he considers close at hand. In the midst of all this, we have a young woman named... Um, uh, what is her name? Excuse me. 
Uh, Hester Shaw, played by Hera Hilmar. Now, none of these people in this movie am I at all familiar with. I think I've recognized a couple of them, but I couldn't tell you what else they've been in. Uh, so that's kind of cool from that front, where it's a pretty diverse uh, set of characters, uh, actors and actresses, and uh, you get a chance to kind of see them, you know, not so many familiar faces, so it's cool to see this happening uh, in this movie. So she plays a character that, at one point, as a young kid, Thaddeus was her stepfather or father, and he ends up killing her mother. Now, she's a little bit grown older now, and is attempting to assassinate Thaddeus, which gets disrupted by some young man who's there in London, who doesn't isn't wise to everything that's going on initially. So... There's like, you basically have these, there's this other city called In the East, and it's protected by this huge-ass wall. No one's been able to penetrate that because they've got such good protection. And it's, I guess the East is kind of considered like Asia or whatever. And, you know, so and you also have these certain groups of rebellion people um, that are out there have been trying to assassinate Thaddeus and stop this rolling monstrosity from consuming all these little mom-and-pop shops, basically. Uh, so there's a lot going on, a lot of... There's a shit ton of great characters in this. I'm, I can't I can't stress that enough. Like, I know it's gotten, like, really shitty reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and from a lot of the fans. I don't know if it's just because it's different than the books or whatever. Uh, me going in, there, there are certainly some things I have some problems with because really what it comes down to, and it's surprising because it's Jackson is that this movie should have been broken up into, like, two other ones. Like, it should be, like, a trilogy, because, in my opinion, at this stage, since you've already kind of, like, done, like, basically what's the ending, you could probably do two prequels that really set this up nicely, because these characters are fucking awesome. Uh, they are a little bit different in their own way. There's even this one uh, guy who actually is the one that... Uh, picks up Hester Shaw when she's young because she's obviously running away from Thaddeus and her mom's dead so she's on her own so we have what this is called a, um, uh, a guy named Stephen, Stephen an actor named Stephen Lang playing Shrike it's a cyborg um, who's been reanimated with machine parts so he's basically dead inside and you know somehow these 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 cyborgs were put together as stalkers and used at one point to hunt people down or whatever he's the last of them and at the time he found uh hester you know he was taking care of her and i'm not gonna give too much away but she ended up running away from him but he he's like he's almost like a terminator like he can fuck some shit up and you know there's a really nice scene towards the end of the movie with him that gives his character a little bit more uh, diversity, and, and it's just there's so these characters are so cool that the movie, even though it's two hours, doesn't really explore this, and that's and and even for like the villains in this, there's just too much going on, and it's rushed a little bit. But I, I won't say it enough that this movie is actually pretty fucking good. Like the the, the graphics are great. Uh, CGI works fine. It's not like really corny like you would see in the Clash of the Titans remake. It's not like that. Uh, it's just really well done. Story's interesting. Uh, like I said, the only thing that it really could use is being a little more uh, 
bled out a little bit to the point where we have a little more depth to the characters and if they were to add a couple prequels to this setting up this finale I know it kind of sucks because this is a finale but uh, it would certainly make the, the whole entire thing better I think um, obviously some of those points I was talking about uh, in terms of the shortcomings is because you know, people, some of the re critics have reviewed this are kind of like well it's there's just not enough depth there everything's rushed similar to what I said uh, some say that the movie borrows from past movies like maybe Road War and Mad Max uh, stuff like that which is true you, you will find some similarities with like the themes a little bit uh, but I think that happens with just about any movie in this genre that kind of borrows from another like I don't think there's any real way that you can get around that uh, it's not a direct ripoff so like even though they can show some like some similarities of what's going on there, it's not the same. Uh, it is vastly different. Um, one thing I will say, one of the positive reviews for the movie, uh, the guy states that uh, it's an example of world building and it surpasses other movies kind of like Valerian, Cloud Atlas, and even the Star Wars episodes that we've recently had. Um, and I think he's right. I think Valerian I do like for certain reasons but I do think that this movie in particular just has more going for it and it has more going for it than even the Star Wars series so despite how beloved Star Wars and all that is I think this actually has more promise and if it was surprising again Jackson didn't try to go that route maybe because it wasn't like Lord of the Rings and EO Hobbit where it was easier to do stuff like that but if he's smart he should probably go back to that well and then set it up with a couple other movies uh, going back a little bit with these characters and set them all up, which would make much more sense and it would be a lot more fun, I think. And probably we'd end up giving this movie a stronger second viewing for people because then it sets everything up for you. Um, yeah, so I, I thought it was really good. Was, and, I, and it, you know, Even if you haven't seen it, don't... You may not like it, but take a chance on it. Uh, it's worth it, I think. Uh, doesn't matter if you can find it for free or not. Uh, definitely check it out. I, I caught it off of the HBO Skinamax free weekend this week, so that's why I was able to watch this. I probably would not have rented it, because when I saw the trailer a couple of years ago, I was like, meh. You know, I, I didn't recognize anybody, and like, I don't know about it. But as it turns out, I took a chance on it, and it was actually quite enjoyable. So... It's unique to its own and something for you all to check out. Alright, let's get back to the music. Uh, next block, new stuff from Old Corpse Road. About time those guys sent some more stuff out. And then I also got a, a song in there from a guy named Chris Dovas uh, from Boston, Massachusetts. He has a record out now under that name Dovas and uh, it's pretty fucking good. It's something to check out also. Here we go. Brand new stuff, Old Corpse Road.
This is Matt Lerotten from Barsool and Constrictor and you are listening to Hordes of Chaos.
Slaughter Messiah, Fog of the Malvant, Soar, DJ Nubis, with your Metal Time Radio Podcast, getting ready to close out this edition of the Hordes of Chaos, episode 63. Special thanks to all those checking out this podcast, this one and past episodes. We greatly love your support and thank you very much for all that. Special thanks to Chris and Kelly Grant, Metal Mania. Krypton Scully, if you haven't checked out their shows, do so. They're very good. A lot, a lot different than ours. Uh, a lot of visual stuff. You can see videos and great topics they talk about. Funny uh, funny and silly uh, couple there. Very fun to watch. So check them out. Great music to boot. Great interviews. Uh, they did Sean Killian a couple weeks ago. Uh, very much worth it. But they, I think they're doing Cerebral Desecration coming up this Wednesday. So... Be sure to tune in and check that shit out. Big special thanks to Sky Nielsen Promotions. He does so much hard work for us, spreading the word about the Metal Town Radio podcast. Big supporter. She enjoys the shows. I appreciate her very much. Um, again, thanks to the labels, promotional sites, Inverse, Grand, Atomic Stuff, Angel PR, and Exenal Corp for selected tracks this week. I appreciate you guys continuing to work with us and get the music out there that we can help promote for you and your labels and whatnot. Big, big thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. One last track for you all. Ground Meat, Sanity, Cremator. <laughs> 